Welcome, friend. I'm Lynn Cassie Jin, and thank you for joining me on Being Awareness, where we explore mindfulness, meditation, and self-awareness. Today's exploration is about self-compassion. If you find the term self-compassion difficult to relate to, think of it as being a friend to ourselves. In our last exploration, we looked at loving kindness. And now, I'd like to delve into the differences in nuance between loving kindness and compassion. Loving kindness and compassion are really two expressions of the same thing. While loving kindness is associated with relating to joy and wellness, such as when we see someone doing really well and we feel happy for them. Loving kindness is when we're resonating in sympathetic joy with another. Compassion, on the other hand, is a type of loving kindness that gently recognizes and holds suffering. When we relate to someone who is suffering with open awareness and kindness, we're embracing compassion. There is a lot of research on compassion and the benefits of practicing it. For example, Dr. Kristen Neff is one of the leaders in the areas of self-compassion. In case you're interested in a deep dive, I highly recommend checking out her work. I'll be leaving some links to her work in today's show notes. So why is compassion an important topic to explore and practice alongside mindfulness? Well, mindfulness allows us to become aware of experiences, while compassion allows us to become aware of the experiencers. In our daily interactions with the world, we not only experience events themselves, but also the humans behind the events. Compassion allows us to recognize these humans and beings behind events, and in turn, cultivate a kind, common sense of humanity. So how does compassion work? First, we need to become aware of a being's suffering through mindfulness. Then, we bring a kindness to that awareness. And finally, we recognize the common humanity between their experiences and our own. Difficulties like pain, sorrow, and hardship are not just experienced by a selected few, but rather their underlying experiences that are common to everyone. Often, it can be more challenging to show compassion toward ourselves than toward others. And there's a Buddhist analogy that I find beautifully illustrate this point. It's called the two arrows. And when we experience difficulty and painful situations, it's like being struck by an arrow. Ouch, that hurts. But then, instead of tending to that initial pain, we strike ourselves with a second arrow, blaming ourselves for experiencing that difficulty. We might think that something is wrong with us because we're experiencing this challenge. It's as though we believe that I feel bad, therefore I am bad. Self-criticism during difficult times 
is actually a form of survival strategy. It's a reaction to a perceived threat and an attempt to do something about it. However, the threats that we face on a daily basis are often no longer truly threatening to our lives, but rather it's threatening to our sense of self. Unfortunately, the survival parts of our brains cannot distinguish the differences unless we bring conscious awareness to it. Practicing self-compassion helps us acknowledge this tendency to strike ourselves with that second arrow and ultimately dissolving it. Another reason why self-compassion could be so difficult to tap into is that there's some common misgivings surrounding the concept. Now, I've both experienced them myself and witnessed them in others. Some of these include fearing that self-compassion is equivalent to self-pity, or the belief that being compassionate toward oneself is a sign of weakness, or the idea that is self-indulgent or selfish. Another concern is the fear that self-compassion will diminish one's drive to achieve. However, both scientific research and personal experiences have shown that these misgivings are unfounded. Let's take, for example, the fear that self-compassion is the same as self-pity. Self-pity involves being stuck in the mindset of feeling sorry for oneself. Like, oh my goodness, my life is so terrible. Why is this happening to me? Whereas self-compassion acknowledges one's circumstances and allows oneself to feel the associated emotions while offering nurturing support to move forward with intentionality. While self-pity is victim-centric, self-compassion requires radical courage to face life's circumstances, kindness in holding oneself and creating a safe space, and ultimately, taking radical responsibility for taking care of oneself. One of the lovely practices of self-compassion is through a tool with the acronym RAIN. The R of RAIN stands for recognize, where we create spacious awareness to recognize the difficult circumstances we find ourselves in. The A of RAIN stands for allow, where we gently allow for the emotions, feelings, and thoughts to be present. Now, quick note on allowing. Allowing does not mean condoning any behavior. Rather, it is to recognize and hold circumstances just as they are. And the eye of rain stands for investigate, or on a softer note, to inquire. And this is where we feel into the felt sense of what is arising in the body, noticing the deeper layers of that embodied experience. And finally, N stands for nurture, where we give the vulnerable parts of ourselves that's hurting what it needs to heal. If you'd like to join me, we will now be practicing a meditation on self-compassion using Ray. Thank you.
finding a comfortable posture where you can be both relaxed and alert, whether seated, standing, or even lying down. If seated, see if it's available to you to position your spine straight, yet relaxed, keeping your eyes closed or downcast, whichever feels most comfortable right now. Taking a moment to take a few deep cleansing breaths. Then gently return to your normal way of breathing. Now, gently scan your life and let some situations from the recent past come to mind that may have brought up some emotional reactivity. This could be something in a relationship with someone, at work, or something to do with your own behavior. As well as you can, take a few moments to get in touch with the circumstances of this emotional reactivity. Bring an interested and kind attention to help fully access these feelings. You might visually recall the setting you're in, the room or the space, or the faces or expressions of others if they were involved. Hear any words that were spoken and feel whatever in your body that arises. And gently ask yourself, what emotions have become activated? Continue to recognize what's coming up with a kind intention of letting be. The full allowing, the A of ring, has a quality of pausing and making space for things instead of trying to fix things and make them go away. Simply acknowledging and giving space to what's here. Notice what it's like just to pause and stay present with the life that's right here, just as it is. If it helps, 
you can mentally whisper to yourself, yes, or this too, or I can also hold this. This pausing presence, this allowing, sets up groundwork for the next step, to inquire. Now inquire into the felt sense of an experience instead of focusing on the cognitive aspects. This means bringing a gentleness and curiosity to whatever felt sensations you notice in the body as you allow for the emotions to be present. You might begin inquiring by asking, what's the worst part of this? What might be requiring my attention? Or, what are the core things I'm believing about myself right now? Now coming into your body, what emotions do these beliefs bring up? Is there fear, anxiety, grief, hurt, anger? Notice whatever might be arising for you right now. You might also inquire, what do these emotions feel like as sensations? Is it contracting, clenching, raw, hot, aching, empty? Simply being with whatever arises. If you find it difficult to tap into the felt senses, you might assume the body posture or facial expressions that best express these emotions. Then ask yourself, what do I notice? If you still find it difficult to feel anything inside your body, that's okay too. Simply hold this experience with kindness. Staying connected with the vulnerable experience inside and also listen and ask from a compassionate presence. You might ask, if the most vulnerable, hurt part of myself could communicate, 
what would express? And notice if there are any words, feelings, or images that emerge. Perhaps you can ask, how does this part want me to be with it? What does it need from me? Or from some larger source of love and wisdom? To fully engage with the next step of rain, the nurturing, you might breathe consciously or adjust your posture a bit to get in touch with the most awake, evolved expression of who you are. Some might call this part of themselves their highest self or future self. Call on this part of yourself. And if you find this to be difficult, you might want to call on some other being, such as a friend, a family member, a pet, a teacher, or spiritual figure whose love and wisdom you trust. Staying in contact with what the vulnerable part of yourself most need. Offer inwardly the love, acceptance, forgiveness, or compassion that might be most healing. If it feels right, you can also communicate with touch. You can place a hand gently on your heart or anywhere else that feels appropriate in a kind, gentle way. Let the nurturing energy wash through you, permeating the most vulnerable parts of your being. Be the holder and the held, offering and receiving loving presence. In case you're feeling resistance or something feels inaccessible around nurturing, recognize that this is a very normal part of healing. Sometimes, especially when we're not used to extending care to ourselves, the sudden influx of care might fan the flames of old pain and hurt buried deeply inside us. If these feelings are too much to handle, it's compassionate to back away from them and come back again whenever you feel ready to engage.
The final part of rain is called after the rain. It's time to cease any doing and just rest in the presence and the heart space that's emerged. Relax back and let it fill you. Get familiar with his presence. If you find you're feeling new or residual difficulty, offer this too with your acknowledgement and care. Gently opening your eyes and recognize the space immediately surrounding you. Whenever you're ready, expand your awareness and recognize the larger space. Paying attention to the quality of your presence and ask, in this moment, what is the sense of my being, of who I am? How has this shifted from when I began the meditation? In case extending care to yourself felt especially difficult, I just want to address it again and say that it is completely normal. Recognizing what you need and offering that to yourself in whatever form it might take in a kind and intentional way is compassion itself. Before we go back to our everyday activities, I like to leave you with an inquiry. What arose for you during the practice of rain? What was easily accessible and what wasn't? And finally, how might you want to bring the practice of rain into your everyday life. Thank you for practicing self-compassion with me today. I look forward to practicing with you next time. May you be well.